Welcome to worship coming from the Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. We have pre-recorded this service for airing on Sunday the 15th. It's a service that you can see on one of four online platforms. Our website for those who love to watch live stream, our YouTube channel, Comcast channel 189, and our Facebook page. We invite you to use all of these ways of watching or reading throughout the week as we deliver daily posts and devotionals and other classes where you can experience still some of the life of the Church of the Palms. Thank you for allowing us to come into your home and we trust that this will be times where you can experience the presence of God. We invite you to create a sacred space for yourself for this hour and to print out the worship bulletin from your website so that that will be available for you to follow. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Now, let us prepare our hearts and our minds to worship God.
God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. God will be exalted among the nations, exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Let us worship God. Psalm number nine, we know that the Lord judges the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed and the Lord is a stronghold in times of trouble. Let us pray our confession together. We admit, O oh God, that we have seldom claimed the full power of the gospel Rather, we have been ashamed to speak of the good news in various settings of our lives. We join ourselves to the earth's corruption rather than risking protest. We battle one another rather than daring to be peacemakers. We give little thought to your laws and fail to teach them to our children. 
False pride keeps us from complete trust in you. Help us find release from the limits we place on ourselves. Amen. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. As the forgiven children of God, we affirm our faith together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now we have come to the time of passing of the peace. Please greet those who are near you in the same place or text those you love that are far away. Well, good morning and welcome again to our online worship service coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. We are glad that you've joined us on this flag day and we can imagine old glory displayed in front of many of your homes this Sunday. We have a few things to catch you up on in regards to life at Church of the Palms. On our quarterly Connect magazine is now out and you can peruse it on our website or if you prefer a hard copy of it, you can call the church office and we'll make sure to send you one. You'll find some great articles there and links to other news and information as well. Our food pantry continues to serve on average about 200 families a day, four days a week. You can volunteer to help us in the food pantry by checking out our website and there will be a place there for you to sign up. 
With the governor's move to phase two of reopening, we are starting to crack open the door of our church, exercising as much caution as possible. We are opening little by little our campus. Our Palms Preschool will be welcoming children back tomorrow, and we are starting to welcome back smaller groups onto our campus. Our biggest news, I suppose, is that we are looking ahead and preparing to offer an in-person worship service or services beginning on August the 9th. Many of you have received a letter about this over the last few days, and you can find a copy of that on our website as well. We're waiting another couple months in order to see how this virus unfolds here in Sarasota County, but it's our hope that for the portion of you who are anxious to return, that we can provide a chance to worship together. We will make sure to instill the appropriate precautions to keep folks as safe as possible. Many will choose at that time still to stay home, and we want to assure you that our online worship will remain our primary worship experience until we are confident that we can all return with minimal risk. The July 4th weekend is just three weeks away, and we thought it might be fun for everybody if as many of you as possible would send us pictures of you in advance, as well as your spouse or family, dressed up in red, white, and blue that we could then show that weekend as we celebrate the founding of our nation. Get out your most creative, patriotic outfits and put them on and take a picture and then send it to Jackie Gomez at jgomez at churchofthepalms.org. And then on July 5th, we will show a little patriotic slide slideshow of some of you uh, in our church. Make sure to get those in by June the 29th. We're very happy to introduce to you today our newest member, Donna Creston. Donna received recently some one-on-one instruction from Mingy Brown and has reaffirmed her faith in Jesus Christ and is joining us in our mission to love God and love neighbor. Welcome, Donna, to the family of God here at Church of the Palms. We look forward to greeting you eventually in person and rubbing shoulders with you as we carry out our mission of Christ in our community. And we're so grateful to have Betsy Trava with us today, our guest musician. We always look forward to her being with us as she leads us with her great gifts of music. Let us continue our worship. Thank you. 
Let us pray. Gracious God, as we look around us, we can see evidence of your love and care for us in every direction. In the sound of birds in the morning, in the smell of rain, in the very air we breathe. Thank you for blessing us, your wayward children, so richly. Your extravagant love for us, which stretches all the way to the cross, leaves us speechless and on our knees. We confess that though your commandments are clear to us, we struggle and fail and excuse away every single day. We know it grieves you that we fail to love you with our whole heart and that we are so quick to limit and qualify who we are willing to love, who we are willing to hear. Forgive us for the sin of, regardless of party, politicizing issues that are about your children, making simple and long-held human ideologies hold us hostage from a life that places the good news of the gospel above all else. Forgive us for holding so tightly to what we believe is right that we focus on policy instead of people. We know it is shameful to choose time and time again to hold tightly to what we are sure is true at all costs, never leaving space for your Holy Spirit or for the suffering of others to lead us to a place of reconciliation, humility, and grace. Send your Holy Spirit. Merciful God, we give thanks that we can repent and try again, that we, messy as we are, are by your abundant mercy cloaked in Christ's righteousness and forgiven. We give thanks for your sacrifice. We give thanks for the new beginnings offered to us with each beautiful day. Sovereign God, we know you are at work a living God who is at all times making a new creation. We ask that you send your Holy Spirit to us now. Give us the strength and the humility to recognize privilege in our own lives, to see the ways in which, despite our personal actions and beliefs, so many of us have benefited in life-changing ways from the killing and the marginalization of people of color, including Native Americans and African Americans. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Help us to be brave enough to listen, to hear, and to see, and to name the suffering of others, to allow ourselves to be led no longer by our ignorance, fear, and ego, but by those whose voices have been ignored and silenced for too long. Loving God, may your Holy Spirit bring hope and comfort to those who are lonely and sick. May those who are worried about their financial future or the safety and well-being of people they love breathe in the peace of your loving presence. Help us to be gentle with one another as we navigate this pandemic, allowing for different points of view. Help us to resist always saying me and instead turn to you and say, we. Placing the safety and health of others above our own. Gracious God, we pray that, our, that the overwhelming evidence of your love might fill us 
strengthening us and giving us the hope to imagine and work together towards the creation of a better world for all people. We pray to the words that Jesus, our ascended Lord and Savior, taught us when he prayed. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We now have the opportunity to reflect on our many blessings and with gratitude to offer a portion of what we have been so freely given back to God and to his mission in the world. You can see on the screen the many ways in which you can give. We are thankful for your continued generosity during this very challenging season. The faithful stewardship of these gifts towards our mission of loving God and loving neighbor is very prayerfully and carefully considered. And we need you to continue doing what you're doing uh, to, to further our shared ministry of feeding and teaching and caring and loving. Your financial support, your prayers, your time have all allowed Church of the Palms to be a source of light and hope in a world that can feel dark. Thank you for partnering with us in our mission to love God and love neighbor. Thank you for all you do.
Let us pray. <clears throat> Dear Lord, thank you for the graciousness of our people, for their continued faithfulness to your church. We pray that you'll grace each of them with a special sense of your Holy Spirit as we together labor through this unusual time. And may their gifts be used for your kingdom's glory as we seek your will to use what they have given in the best way possible. And we pray all of this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, this is the time that we call our children's moment. And we are so glad that uh, perhaps the kids can gather around to take a look at what we're going to be talking about today. First, a couple of announcements. Uh, first of all, remember, after this service, uh, Ms. Carroll will be available for a Zoom call for you to have a little chance for conversation and discussion about the things that would be good to be thinking about, especially today. So we encourage you to uh, reach out to her on uh, Zoom. And then also, she has sent out her Schools Out for Summer letter, and she's asking for all the kids to text that text themselves and that letter back to Ms. Carroll so that uh, we can see that you're receiving those and that we can rejoice in uh, being connected even throughout uh, the summer months. So today I want to talk to you about anagrams and I bet you might be wondering what an anagram is. you know what an anagram is, uh, Genevieve? No, you don't know what an anagram is. Well, that's just too bad. So I want to talk to you about an, an anagram are two different words with the exact same letters. So, for example, the word cat, C-A-T, the anagram of cat is act, A-C-T. So, two different words, same letter. So, I want to share with you a few anagrams that um, I think might be uh, helpful for us and maybe instructing us a little bit about uh, our lives. And uh, the first anagram uh, are these two different words, stressed. You know what stress is, you know, when people get all sort of anxious and nervous and all stressed out. And the anagram for stressed is desserts. In fact, stressed, spelled backwards, is desserts, which is a way a lot of adults take care of their stress by eating desserts. So that's anagram number one. Anagram number two, debit card, and you may wonder what a debit card is, so ask your parents about that. They'll tell you what a debit card is. And the anagram for debit card is bad credit. So uh, that's also something you may want to talk to your parents about, um, whether or not how those two things uh, go together. The next anagram is dog. I bet you can guess what this one is. Dog, if you take those same letters and spell them backwards, is what? God, right? So they say that dog spelled backwards is always man's best friend, right? So God is uh, always our best friend, and we want to remember that especially because God is the person that we can go to, and God is the one who hears our prayers just like our best friend would hear our prayers. So the next one is listen, right? And if you rearrange the letters listen, you get the word silent, and uh, there's no better way to listen than to be silent. And maybe that's the best thing we can do when we're trying to listen to our best friend, God, is to simply be silent. And I think Pastor Lori's going to be talking about that in a couple of minutes. And then lastly, this is a really hard word to spell. It's Presbyterian. And uh, you know, it take, took me about two years in seminary to figure out how to spell that. 
Presbyterian, and the anagram, if you take those same letters and put them into a different order, you get best in prayer. And that's what we're going to be talk, talking about today, is how do we develop a prayer life? And uh, to be Presbyterian is to be working toward trying to understand how we can be best in prayer, to listen to God, and to know that God is our best friend and will watch over us. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you give us this great gift of prayer, and we thank you, O Lord, that we have the opportunity to be quiet before you and to know that you're trying to speak to us your words of love so that we can understand once again that you are our best friend. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Well, we are beginning a new summer preaching series called Living Well. And we realize that there are many ways to live well as a Christian. In fact, this whole year, we've been paying attention to the body, mind, and spirit, and how they work together to usher in the good life, how they help us along the good journey. 
Well, over the summer, we thought it would be fun to take a dive into the spiritual side just a bit more by taking a look at the classical spiritual disciplines. Disciplines like simplicity, meditation, and service. These disciplines are central to experiential Christianity, and they have been practiced by sincere people throughout the centuries, people who have sensed a call to deeper, fuller living, those wanting the abundant life Jesus promises. Spiritual disciplines are intended for our good, they are meant to bring the abundance of God into our lives. Of course, we have to be careful to not turn them into another set of soul-killing laws. If you've been reading along in the Gospel of Mark, we have already seen some of the soul-crushing experiences of the Pharisees who follow the letter of the law. We might want to think of this as the path of disciplined grace. In the book, The Cost of Discipleship, Dietrich Bonhoeffer makes it clear that grace is free, but it is not cheap. The grace of God is unearned and unearnable, but if we ever expect to grow in grace, we must pay the price of a consciously chosen course of action, which involves both individual and group life. Practicing the spiritual disciplines is like that. We can't force the abundance of God. We can only choose to be in a posture to receive it. And here's the good news. Jesus has promised to be our ever-present teacher and guide. Especially today, it seems our world is hungry for genuinely changed people. Leo Tolstoy observed, everybody thinks of changing humanity and nobody thinks of changing himself. Let us be among those who believe that the inner transformation of our lives is a goal worthy of our best effort. The spiritual disciplines for this week are prayer and solitude. And the scripture passage we will be using as our launching pad comes from the Old Testament. 1 Samuel chapter 1, starting at the second verse and going through verse 20. Hear the word of the Lord. Elkanah had two wives. The name of one was Hannah and the name of the other was Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now Elkanah used to go up year by year from his town to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. Now remember, this is before the temple was built in Jerusalem. So this is the Ark of the Covenant holding the Ten Commandments and the dwelling place of God. And that was what was set up in Shiloh. Verse 4, on the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to his wife Peninnah and to all of her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. 
I just want to say that it was a common belief in the time that childlessness was understood not as a physical phenomenon, but as a decision of God, and indeed in some circumstances, a punishment from God. Verse 6, her rival used to provoke her severely to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year after year, and often as she went up to the house of, of the Lord, Peninnah used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Let's pause here for just a moment. While this sounds like a lovely, caring sentiment from her husband, it is completely out of touch with the reality that Hannah was facing in their culture. It may be hard for us to understand the importance of a son in that economic system. Without a son of her own, if Elkanah died, Hannah would be left destitute. It's noteworthy to mention that the men were usually considerably older than the young women that they married. So it is likely that Hannah would have outlived Elkanah. Furthermore, women did not inherit property in those days, even from their own husbands. Only a son could inherit. So if Hannah never bore her husband a son, she would be facing a life of extreme poverty. Even though Elkanah had other sons, they were the sons of a different mother. So from Hannah's perspective, her hope was dwindling and her future seemed dim. It's from this context that Hannah goes to the temple to pray. Verse 9, after they had eaten and drunk at Shiloh, Hannah rose and presented herself before the Lord. Now Eli the priest was standing, sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. Hannah was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made this vow. O Lord of hosts, if only you will look on the misery of your servant and remember me, and don't forget your servant, but will give to your servant a male child, then I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. He shall neither drink wine nor intoxicants, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying silently. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. I thought it was kind of interesting that there's only two times when someone who is praying in the Bible was thought to be drunk. This time, and then the apostles on the day of Pentecost that we just celebrated a couple of weeks ago. Verse 14, so Eli said to her, how long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself? Put away your wine. But Hannah answered, No, my lord, I am a woman deeply troubled. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation at this time. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. 
the God of Israel, grant the petition you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your sight. Then the woman went to her quarters, ate and drank with her husband, and her countenance was sad no longer. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. Elkanah knew his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. In due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I have asked him of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. Of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer is the most central because it ushers us into perpetual communion with God. We all know the more time you spend with someone, the more they rub off on you. You've been around those couples who have been married 30 or 40 years, right? You know how they can finish each other's sentences, how they start sounding the same and looking the same. It even happens with pets. Have you seen those dogs and their owners who start to look alike? It's a thing. I wonder if God is just hoping that if we spend enough time together, maybe we will start looking and acting like Jesus. Or to put it another way, perhaps we would be drawn into the very heart of God. And then the things that break God's heart would also break our heart. We would be so in step with the Spirit that we would know what would please God, and because we are so connected to God, we would actually do that what was pleasing. I know, I know, this sounds really nice. A-plus Christian, but real life rarely seems to be sailing along smoothly enough for me to spend time with Jesus in prayer with the potential reward of one day looking and acting a little more like him. I seem to have too many issues I'm trying to deal with, or maybe I'm too self-centered for that kind of praying. In her book, Plan B, Anne Lamott writes, prayer usually means praise or surrender or acknowledging you've run out of bullets. I think that's part of why I was drawn to Hannah's story in the Bible. Hannah was out of bullets. She was desperate. She had suffered ridicule, rejection, and certainly had anxiety about her future. To add insult to injury, her own husband didn't seem to understand her suffering. So she went to the temple and she prayed to God. Hannah didn't pray a sweet little precious moment's prayer full of these and thous. She prayed from the depths of her longing. With fervor and purpose, she poured out her very soul. So much so, Eli the priest assumed the worst and compounded her grief by calling her drunk. Be honest. Have any of you ever prayed with such energy and passion 
that someone would accuse you of being drunk? If you're like me, you pray nice little neat prayers. I actually grew up in a tradition that was big on rote prayers. I could rattle off the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer while making a grocery list in my head. It reminds me of the story of the three monks who lived on a faraway island. Nobody ever went there, but one day their bishop came for a pastoral visit. As soon as he arrived on the island, he realized that these three monks didn't even know the Lord's Prayer. So he spent all of his time and energy teaching them the Our Father. And as he was leaving the island, he was kind of pleased with his pastoral work that he had done, got on the ship, and set sail. When he was out on the open waters, he looked up, and he noticed the three hermits walking on water. Not only were they walking on water, they were running on water towards the ship. When they got to the ship, they said, Dear Father, we have forgotten the prayer you taught us. The priest was overwhelmed by what he was seeing and hearing, and he said, but dear brothers, how do you pray? And they said, well, we just say, dear God, there are three of us, and there are three of you. Have mercy on us. The bishop was so moved by their sanctity and simplicity that he said, go back to your land and be in peace. Their simple prayer is known as the Jesus Prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Hannah and the monks were all humbly communicating to a God they knew and loved. It's not the words, it's the heart. In fact, the words can sometimes get in the way of the prayers. There was a silly movie released in 2012 called A Thousand Words. Eddie Murphy played the role of Jack McCall, who was a fast-talking, truth-stretching, self-centered literary agent who, after lying to a spiritual guru, discovered a strange tree in his yard and an even stranger connection that he had to it. It turns out that with each word that Jack spoke or wrote, a leaf would fall from the tree. When the last leaf drops, Jack will die. Jack must learn to curb his speech, or he's a goner. He has 1,000 words left to figure it out. And I wonder what would happen if we approached our prayer time with similar restraint. What if we spoke less and listened more? I want you to pretend just for a moment that you have a secret admirer. Imagine you learned that this admirer actually adores you. They think you are amazing inside and out. They think you are funny, smart, and talented. They love how compassionate you are, how you care for others. You are kind, brave, and fun to be with. They delight in you. Wouldn't we want to hang out with someone who thought that of us and thought of us in that way? Someone who makes us want to lean into the best version of ourselves. And wouldn't we want to get to know them too? 
I believe God absolutely delights in each one of you and even in me. And God wants to connect with us on our deepest level. Our lives are noisy and we can easily go days and weeks without a moment of silence. Perhaps we need to create a quiet space for God. Parker Palmer wrote in his book, A Hidden Wholeness, if we want to see a wild animal, we know that the last thing we should do is go crashing through the woods and yelling for it to come out. But if we walk quietly into the woods, sit patiently by the base of the tree and fade into our surroundings, the wild animal we seek might put in an appearance. Remember the prophet Elijah who was running for his life and hiding in the cave? In 1 Kings 19, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. The Lord is about to pass by. In contrast to the usual theophany or God sighting, which is accompanied by wind, fire, lightning, thunder, and earthquakes, the theophany to Elijah was the sound of sheer silence or the sound of a soft whisper. Impossible to hear when we are surrounded by noise. Impossible to hear when we're talking. I'm in a small group of female pastors called clergy chicks. We met on a Zoom call a couple of weeks ago and one of the pastors gave a lovely image of the quiet place. She said, you know in open water how there's always a chop on the surface? This is like the noise, the distractions and the disruptions in our life. But if you allow yourself to sink below the surface, to drop down a few feet, it's quiet. It's peaceful, a place perhaps when you can experience a deep knowing. So the gift of solitude is in a quieting of our surroundings and ourselves, creating a sacred space so that we might actually hear and get to know God. The beautiful part of this prayer time is that we never have to worry about what to say, or how to say it, because it's not about the words. We trust what we read in Romans 26, that the Spirit intercedes on our behalf with sighs too deep for words. We offer ourselves imperfect and broken, with open hands and open heart, to receive from God and to bask in the warmth of unconditional love so that we can embody the love and grace of Christ and offer it to a world that so desperately needs it. Mother Teresa said, in the silence of the heart, God speaks. If you face God in prayer and silence, God will speak to you. Then you will know that you are nothing. It is only when you realize your nothingness, your emptiness, that God can fill you with God's self. Souls of prayer 
are souls of great silence. God wants every part of who we are, which includes pouring out our hearts with our deepest longings, our adoration, and our intercession for other people. The challenge for me, and maybe for you, is to learn to encounter God without words. There are different ways, of course, to approach prayer, but the first step is to start right where you are. If you are a prayer warrior, what might God be calling you to pay attention to so you can go even deeper? If you tend to only pray before the holiday meal, perhaps it's time to take one small step of growth in this area. And Lamont wrote, my three prayers are variation on help, thanks, wow. She says, that's all I ever need besides the silence, the pain, and the pause sufficient for me to stop, close my eyes, and turn inward. Henry Nouwen said prayer is a threefold process. We first cry out to God with all of our needs and requests, much like Hannah did. Next, we turn our unceasing thoughts into continual conversation with God, which means we think, speak, and live in the presence of God. Finally, we learn to listen to God in our hearts. In solitude and without the distraction of words, we listen. We listen for God with an openness of heart, humility of spirit, and quietness of soul. So how might you practice the discipline of solitude and prayer this week? I'd like to share with you three ideas to perhaps spark the next step in your spiritual discipline. First, I have an alarm set on my phone that goes off every morning with a list of special people that I am lifting up in prayer each day. This little trick has helped me to be a little more faithful. Second, I want to try that breath prayer that the monks used. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. I hope if I use it throughout the day, it will keep me connected and engaged in an ongoing conversation with God. And third, my big challenge and growth area this week is to try to have a 10-minute date with God each day, to go to a quiet place where I am just listening. As I was practicing a little bit last week, I noticed that I do better with the silence if I am physically moving, either in a couple of poses on my yoga mat or on my bike or outside walking. The important thing is to find what works for you. So I encourage you to try one new thing for your practice of prayer and solitude, fully expecting God to show up and being open to the Spirit calling you deeper into the very essence of love. According to Jesus, by far the most important thing about praying is to keep at it. And even if Jesus does not bring you the answer you want, Jesus promises to bring you himself.
Friends, may, may we be among those who believe that the inner transformation of our lives is a goal worthy enough to give it our best effort. And now may the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God reflected in your hands, the wisdom of God reflected in your words, and the knowledge of God flow through your hearts so that all might see and believe. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen.